Comics That Work, Episode 5, and with me as a co-host is Drew from Comics for Fun and Profit. Hi, Drew. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I am doing pretty fine. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Why the Last Man, number one. It's this uh, little independent comic. I don't think anybody's ever heard of it, but... A, 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 a fledgling writer named Brian K. Vaughn, I think he'll might, he might be something someday. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've read some other stuff by him, and he's he's not bad. Yeah, yeah he's all right. <laughs> all right, so uh, those new to the show, um, this podcast is basically um, just trying to figure out what makes a good comic from different people's perspectives. Um, every episode, I'm going to have a new co-host on, Drew this time, and they're going to choose a book, and we're going to be discussing it, um, the craft, the themes, just what makes it work. So, um, before we start, though, I just kind of want to talk about your experience with comics and uh, your podcast, too. Uh, I'm going to start off with just asking you, um, wh- what kind of got you into comics, or at least, when did you become a serious comic reader? Well, I guess I, I first got into comics because, through uh, collecting baseball cards, and there was a, a little shop in my hometown called Dog Eared Books that had baseball cards and it was a really big uh Angels fan, uh California Angels fan at the time, not Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim that they are now. And I, I was really into uh Wally Joyner and Rod Carew and and some of their their stars for some reason. And I, I love the Reds, so I was always into Reds cards. So I'd go there all the time looking for baseball cards. And they also had a rack of comics and um my only experience with comics up to that point were like Richie Rich comics and stuff that were around the house. And um, I had a few Sergeant Rocks um, that, that I always dug, but I was never really a comic. But they just kind of appeared. I don't remember how I got them. Uh, um, but but now this place had actual like key books on a wall and they had back issue bins and they had new releases and so it was kind of my first experience with that. And uh, I remember picking up Moon Knight and thinking that was the coolest thing and um, read that. And then West Coast Avengers came out, and, th- and that was really cool. And that was my first experience with, like, a miniseries. And that became its own ongoing after that. That was that was kind of all new to me. And so, so it was a couple of Marvel titles that mm-hmm. kind of um, – got me into the hobby and and I tried to um stay current as well as I could on my allowance which was not very much yeah. and uh so it was kind of a struggle and uh then you know as uh, I got older and got a car and girls became more important I, comics kind of faded for a while until college mm-hmm. and uh in college uh I was able to uh by Watch, Watchmen off the rack and um, oh, nice. Dark Knight Re- Dark Knight Returns um, and some of the real seminal works of <clears throat> of the medium and, and thought that stuff was amazing and then the nineties crash kind of happened with all the foil covers and and stuff that uh, kind of ruined the market mm-hmm. for a while and it, it ruined the taste for me as well and I kind of took a break uh, for a while. And at that point, um, my brother 
kind of uh, was talking to me about this new show that was coming out called Walking Dead, and it was based on a comic book, and we watched, were watching the show and talking about it and how much we loved it. And uh, that kind of got me back into a comic book shop for the first time in a long time. Oh, wow. Seriously. So Seriously. You, were, I mean, you yeah. stopped reading comics between the 90s and when The Walking yeah. Dead show came. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so that also coincided with uh, the New 52 mm-hmm. happening, uh, which was a big deal. And it was it looked like it was tailor-made for lapsed readers at the time. And, yeah. you know, an easy way to just get back in, in all these number ones and start over again. And that kind of uh, – that and, listen, and started listening to podcasts about comics and – it really kind of kind of fueled the fire again for me, and uh, that that's really what what got me started um, hard and heavy into uh, reading reading again heavily. Then there were probably times where I would I would sample them again for a little while and try to pick up a, a subscription box at a at a comic shop or do some mail order in between their time, but it never really stuck. Uh, took for a long for like long periods of time sustained comic collecting you know six months here six months there something else would come up and i just have to leave it behind again money was tight you know whatever and um so this was like 2011 was really the 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 first time i was really back into it heavy and i really haven't stopped since then so about six years solid of 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 heavy collecting again um and uh, that kind of led to listening to podcasts and then co-hosting on a podcast and then starting my own podcast. And um, uh, I, I just uh, I can't get enough of, uh, of comic books and the comic book industry. And um, it's just something that I really enjoy. And um, sometimes I love to hate it because it drives me crazy and it mm-hmm. frustrates me. Um, but a lot of times I, I still really enjoy reading the comics themselves. And if I, focus on that it's it's always fun awesome so you pretty much um you pretty much decided to make your own podcast after after getting back into that and all that what was um what was the idea that uh inspired you to make comics for fun and profit well um i'm a reader first and a collector second and my brother is a collector first um you know, at a reader second. So he was more interested in the values of comics and selling them and making money. And I was more interested in reading the comics, but I, I also like money. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, we, we kind of came at it from an angle of, uh, speculation and comics come out every week and which ones might be the ones that rise in value and are worth you uh, investing your four or five bucks in and could turn into something either short-term profits or long-term profits. So we came up with the name Comics for Fun and Profit. Um, I was the fun. He was the profit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, he would probably argue the opposite. So um, we decided to go at it from that angle. And that would be our niche because there were so many comic podcasts out in 2011, 2012, that era, that it, it just seemed like, well, we if we just do reviews, as everybody's doing reviews, if we just do um, 
interviews, well, there's a lot of people that are doing interviews. They're all doing better job than we would do. So what what can be our angle? So that's why that that was kind of our unique uh, angle to fit in the pod space of this incredibly small niche market, and we were trying to even shave it even thinner. So comics are sm- a small niche, and then within comics are folks that buy them to sell them later. Uh, so it, it it was probably not the largest audience that we were shooting for, but it's grown steadily over time and um, We've we've seemed to have found an audience uh, that appreciates what we have to say and um, give us great feedback and challenge us when we're wrong and it's 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 been a fun conversation to have over four or five years. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a wonderful idea. I've kind of talked to uh, James and Eric from the Cowcast um, about well your podcast and just their podcast and all that. And uh, you're right, there are a lot of just comic review podcasts and those are fun and I, I think that even if somebody if somebody decided to start one now I do think that it, that would have potential but you're definitely doing something different than that hadn't really been done before you really offer offer something new to the table yeah at the, at the time when I think we were the only one in the space okay. uh, there are there are a handful now uh, that that go after that same um, kind of uh, that their same focus is now on flipping books or um, investment books and stuff. So um, some of them do a really good job as well. So there, there's a lot more of them out there than they were than were out there uh, five six years ago. Well, you started something then, I, I guess, or <laughs> I, I just noticed it. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> what kind of comics are you into these days? I mean. You can talk to me about like your favorite comics of all time, and also kind of touch on what you read right now, and maybe yeah. even kind of what you speculate on these days. Yeah, I'm uh, an image. I really am fully embraced image. Um, <laughs> uh, when when I came back to comics, and they were doing amazing things, um, you know, Saga and Walking Dead uh, were the kind of the one-two punch that you know I just loved them and. The, these everything the, everything back then that they put out I just devoured I was completely all in and unread every single thing that they put out and um, less so now but I'm a little I'm not quite as uh, you know they're putting out 50 books a month now so it, it's it's tougher to be all in and not all of it's great mm-hmm. but it's that kind of sensibility that creator owned um, you know not a not a superhero comic um that that's my favorite now i i i still read marvel and dc i still have some favorites uh in there as well but my bread and butter and the stuff that i love are the back half of of previews those small publishers i like aftershock i like um uh a, a lot of the you know oni press and like some xenoscope stuff i like um Dynamite, some of the stuff that they do. Uh, I, I like most of the, you know, I like I like to find those small publishers, Albatross Funny Books, you know, the f- folks like that that are that are doing their own thing and a little smaller and less corporate. Although I think Dynamite's pretty corporate, um, yeah. um, but you know, and then uh, and then I, I I mean I still like Spider Man, Batman, and um, I, you know I read probably 
three or four or five of those each week from the big two. Um, and then the rest of my reading list is image and, uh, in back half books. Yeah. There's a lot of good Marvel and DC stuff out, but I think it's kind of undeniable that, um, image and more, uh, more independent publishers often have the higher quality stuff, at least the most inspired stuff, because it's, kind of uncontrolled creativity people's yeah, personal and, visions and and there are even there are creators that i love their creator owned work and i just can't warm up to their big two work mm-hmm. um, um some of it you know uh jason aaron who i love southern bastards um it's one of my favorites as well and and you know i love thor i think he's doing a great job with thor but some of his other stuff hasn't really connected with me. Um, I could never get into uh, his Doctor Strange and uh, some of the other things that he that he was doing just didn't didn't connect with me. Um, you know, somebody like Tom King, who uh, I I loved Vertigo, always loved Vertigo, and was a huge Sandman fan back in the day. And um, of course, why the Last Man is 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 Vertigo, but um. Uh, I, you know, I like his stuff. Like Sheriff of Babylon, Babylon, I thought was amazing, and um, I loved his work on the Vision, and and it took me a while to warm up to his Batman, but I I'm kind of bought in now um, and like it a lot. But yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of chase I guess chase writers really, and um, I like to see how a writer can can take a blank slate, and it's usually a blank slate in a non big two book because you have all these pre-established characters, you have all these pre-established um, thing continuity and things that have happened before that readers already have this predetermination of what this is going to be. But when you get a book from a creator-owned comic and it's a blank slate and they have to build a world from nothing um, in 20 or 30 pages, uh, that's that's the stuff that when they do it well, I, I really love that, and it, I find that stuff inspiring, and and it really it gets my juices going because um, th- that's what it's all about is on ramps and and pulling you into a story and getting you in, to fall in love with uh, the characters and what's going on with them and and caring about them enough to follow the, their adventures every every month kind of interesting you're talking about batman uh it's a very different book yeah yeah uh it, it's totally different than the scott snyder stuff mm-hmm. it, there are kind of uh in my opinion there are kind of like some issues that are a little like I, i'm not really sure how i feel about them and then there are some issues that just like hit you yeah that one issue in uh i am suicide with like all double page spreads that was that was a good one and yeah, he does some interesting layout choices. He and his his artist, um, it, it's they, they do some fun stuff, and and you know some of the stuff they were doing with Sheriff of Babylon with um, you know the nine and twelve and sixteen panel grids was like, wow, this is just wall to wall talking heads, but it was really cool, and um, I just love what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything about Tom King's Batman, I just, I appreciate that it's, I mean, it's the main Batman title right now, but it makes a lot of, makes a lot of unconventional choices that you really don't expect in a Batman proper book, so I respect him for that, and 
it's kind of a tangent that I went off on, but hey, I did the same thing, so yeah. <laughs> um, I, I took you there. I think we're ready to go into the book then. Yeah. So there's going to be a spoiler, spoiler warning right now about uh, Why the Last Man, issue number one, and we might possibly spoil some future Why the Last Man issues as well. Um, I have to be completely honest, I haven't read much of this series. I think I, I read the first full volume, maybe the first two a while ago, just reread the first issue for this episode, but... If there's something that you need to bring up, don't be afraid to spoil it for me, because the episode comes first. <laughs> no, um, yeah, there's, there's 60 issues in, the, in this run, um, and uh, they're not all perfect, uh, but I think I think this, this first issue is a real grabber and uh, mm-hmm. something that really sets the tone for what this thing could be. And, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I'm just, I mean, I mean, I really, I really dig first issues when they work, and uh, and I think this works. So yeah, it's definitely a, just a great introduction, just the way it's all, the way it's all laid out, um, and everything. But um, so this is a this is a Vertigo book. Uh, when was it published? Uh, between 2002 and 2008. I kind of thought it was older than that, but. No, no, no! It's not. It's not that old. Um, and I didn't. I didn't read it when it came out. Yeah, I, this was part of the uh, times when I was uh, not reading comics, so I didn't know it existed. And discovered um, after reading Saga, uh, I started devouring everything he did. And this came up, and uh, was like, "Wow! How did I miss this thing? Uh, it's pretty amazing." It's kind of hard, hard to believe, just thinking about it now. This was only. This ended only like a few years before Saga started, because I think that was like 2012. 2012. Or yeah. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. yeah. So written by Brian K. Vaughn, who um, his big book right now is Saga. He also works on Paper Girls, other books he's known for. I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. Oh, um, he did um, Ex Machina over. Oh, duh. Yeah. Uh, which it, it, that was a great 50 issue run. I really liked that a lot. Um, he started this online pay what you want model with panelsyndicate.com. And his first launch was the private eye with uh, Marcus Martin on art. Um, it, it's a beauty uh, to behold. It's a, it's a landscape comic. Um, so it's great to read digitally. It was only going to be digital and they kind of swore that it would never be printed and had since, uh, ended up putting out a nice hardcover version of it. Um, and it, you can still get all the digital titles on panelsyndicate.com for whatever you want. So, um, I sampled the first one for 99 cents. Uh, I thought that was, that seemed fair. Um, and then felt guilty because I didn't give them enough. And when uh, so, I, it, it's really cool. You could give them a penny. You can give them zero. Um, you could give them ten dollars if you wanted to. It was really it's really up to you and what you would get out of out of their comics on Panel Syndicate. So it's a real cool model. Uh, they've he's, he's published two or three other things. Barrier is one of them on there, which I don't care for as much. One of the few Brian K. Vaughns I don't like. Um, he also did a a graphic novel called Pride of Baghdad, 
Oh yeah, I've read that one. Yeah, it was, that one's it was really good. It was really good. Um, the first few he did the first few volumes of the Runaways for Marvel, which uh, well regarded, um, critically acclaimed. Also, one I have not finished yet. So I, mean, I have I have those trades and uh, and started them, but I haven't I haven't finished those yet. Um, uh, what else did he do? He did um, probably should have pulled up his DB. I didn't even think about it. Um, uh, he did. Uh, Something with Steve Scrosey. That was a six-issue miniseries. Uh, that was okay. We Stand on Guard, it's called. Um, and uh, that was right in between Saga and Paper Girls. Uh, and, of course, Paper Girls, which you mentioned. Um, he uh, he did a Walking Dead one-shot, which was cool. Uh, his his version of Walking Dead, that was that was a fun one. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the story behind that was... Um... Robert Kirkman made a deal with him to get Private Eye uh, published in hardcover. And the deal was that Brian K. Vaughn got to to write a Walking Dead story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when you're at that echelon of uh, stardom, super stardom Mm -hmm. writers, I mean, it's kind of cool that they they do that stuff. It's pretty neat. Yeah, so he is he's pretty prolific. He did uh he did a great uh Doctor Strange series called The Oath. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's well regarded and and it should I'm, I'm sure at some point in Marvel Cinematic Universe will be will be given the treatment, I'm thinking. Um Yeah, tons of stuff. He he is the man. I, I he's he is probably my favorite writer. Um and so uh what better way to uh honor that than by selecting one of his his first issues and uh talking about it there's so much of his that i haven't read um i've read this a little bit uh pride of pride of baghdad paper girls and uh saga but um i mean everything i've read of his is just great he's um he's a very good storyteller on so many levels yeah and it's um it's it's simultaneously Super accessible, but also it uh, is intelligent and challenging, and uh, it it really I, I think some of like some of the stuff that you would think you know maybe he's just phoning in or something. Um, it's still is high quality, high quality stuff. So um, it, he's brilliant. Yeah, and. Um... I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe we can discuss this discuss this a little bit, but um, I think that his work is also probably some of the most accessible comics out there. Like, if I'm thinking about comics that I would recommend to somebody who doesn't really read comics that much, I would often think of recommending Saga just because I feel like his books have a very very cinematic feel to them. They're they're um, simple enough as far as um, the comic storytelling goes there's just there's something about it that's i don't, hey i don't i don't know that i mean i think you have to have someone with a certain sensibility that you know can can stomach the cuz he goes out he's out there sometimes mm-hmm. and oh yeah he, definitely he pushes the envelope as far as uh sexual content and things so you have to make sure that uh, you're 
up for the ride, especially with Saga, because yeah, yeah. The, 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 it ends on splash pages of things that you've, uh, or sometimes has double page splashes in the middle that are just like, what, where did that come from? And mm-hmm. whose imagination did that spring, spring forth from? Because it's, uh, amazing and crazy and, and so out there and, and, I find it fascinating and inventive. I can't understand there 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 are people that um don't like the the adultness of it. So I I get that. Uh-huh. I feel like in saga it's just kinda it's it's done for shock value a lot of the time, but I, I don't think it interrupts with the flow of the story at all. And um No. It's kinda interesting. I don't really think of Brian K. Vaughn as um someone who writes very mature content but when when you think about this stuff that's that's in saga like that's you know some of the most graphic things i've seen in comic oh, yeah. books oh um, yeah but you don't think of him as like a as a garth ennis or anything he's just kind of it's kind of interesting how i just kind of forget about that <laughs> but yeah yeah w- while it's accessible i would definitely um only recommend his work to someone with a strong stomach at least at least with some of them <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever really, like, gory. I don't think he really goes for the gore. No, definitely um, not. But, you know, he he does some challenging things that, um, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that, that can rub people the wrong way. And I, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, not, it's not for everyone. I think it's just, it's unrestrained, um, his work. I think he just, he's able to kind of understand um, the views of all of the characters and kind of put himself out of, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I don't feel like he kind of goes out of his way to do that. He just, he wants to let the story kind of form freely. Yes. Yes. And uh, and that, that's kind of... <laughs> I think that was the exact thing I was I was thinking of. Yeah, that? that that image is stuck in my it's head. It's burned. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, I, I I have the the hardcover for the first eighteen, and uh, man, it's just amazing. It, it's just a good great start. And and you know he he's I I don't think it's really lost a step. I know some folks think it has, but you know there was a a recent issue where uh one of the characters lost a baby and um it faded to black and in such a way and there was like multiple black pages that ended the book and i was like this is really this is really kind of innovative and and powerful stuff you know and 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 to write it that way and say yeah we're this is how it's going to end and and it's a black. No, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a baby. It was a character that died, um, but they died in such a way that it, it faded to black, and it was, it was really, really powerful, and um, it it affected me, you know, forty issues, forty some issues in, with a comic that, you know, you you could be jaded with, and to still be able to hit these notes and um, manipulate the reader in such a way as to take them on this ride and. Um, it's it's really impressive and, and I, I find it inspiring and um you know I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little jealous, you know. I I, I, I will never be Brian K. Vaughn. Um but man, wouldn't it be nice? 
uh, I can still find inspiration in, in great stuff that uh, gives me something to shoot for. I should also mention the artist. Um, I, do you know how to pronounce the artist's name? It's Piagera. Piagera. Okay, that, that's what I that's what I would have guessed. Actually, that's the that's the penciler, and uh, Jose Marzan Jr. is the inker. So interesting. But but Pia is the uh, the the artist that gets the uh, the top billing. Most definitely, you definitely see less of separate pencilers and inkers these days. Yeah, this was probably done old school. Mm-hmm. And uh, not digitally. Awesome. Well, the first issue, um, we'll start off just kind of explaining the basic premise to anyone who hasn't read it. Um, sure. I'm sure it unfolds into something completely different. I mean, it becomes a little more complex, but it just, basically all the men die. Yeah. All, all but Yorick. So the first page starts out with the moment that all men die, and it has this black panel that just says Brooklyn, New York, now. It's... It's a very interesting first page. It just has two characters talking, and then the last panel, this woman just says, all the men are dead. Yeah, and, and then and she has a gun to her head. Yeah. Um, she has a gun to her head. She's a cop, and um, we don't know. Are, are these? We don't know. Are these our main characters? We're not sure um, because it is just the first page. And there, uh, there it's five uh, horizontal panels uh, on a page, and um, I kind of like that breakdown uh, it's really good for for um, storytelling and uh it, it really works but then i i think it's one of those just preface pages um what's the what's the writing term is that media res where uh you drop someone in and then flash back to see how they got there yeah that's correct yeah um you see it a lot um and i find it to be a crutch by a lot of writers and uh, to, to to help them tell their story because they don't know how to do it. In this case, I do not feel that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the next page goes to a much much more laid-back setting uh, 20, 29 minutes before the first page. So it kind of sets up this this issue that's going to eventually lead up to this event where all the men die. Yeah, and this is where we first get to meet uh, Yorick. Uh, he's uh, he's the why and why the last man. And so um, I don't think we know his name yet. So I, I jumped the gun a little bit. I don't think he's been called Yorick as of this as of this moment. So yeah, I guess we don't really know. He is um, upside down in gravity boots, hanging from a pull-up bar. And he has a straight jacket on, and so he's upside down, and he's uh, uh, talking on phone, a satellite phone, with his girlfriend, who is what running in Australia, maybe? Yeah, I think it's the Australia outback. that she's in. I I I just love this scene. Just start out with this gruesome, depressing, chaotic page, yeah. and then it all just. Goes to like, oh, what's this guy doing here? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's just really mundane uh, relationship stuff and uh, some some character building, but it it, it sets the tone um, for for who this guy is. And I mean, I I don't think he's I don't think his 
dialogue is perfect here um, as in his conversation. I, I find him likable, but I think there are like a, a few things where where you kind of take a pause and like uh, this guy's kind of a loser uh, in in some ways, and I'm assuming <laughs> I'm assuming that's what Brian was going for. So sometimes your character, your your hero character, can be flawed. Um, and still, you can still root for him, and and so uh, I like that too. Yeah, he. There are a lot of moments, just lines that he says that are uh, kind of over dramatic in this dorky way. And yeah, groan worthy stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, it, it's it's kind of interesting how that uh, how that communicates onto the page. I think he's a very I think he's very good at writing dialogue because you can tell you can tell the tone that the characters are talking in, and it it flows very smoothly. I think all of his writing flows very smoothly, and I think he might be the best comic writer when it comes to that. Yeah. So I mean, we we get you know just a couple of pages here. So we've got four pages of conversation between Yorick and his girlfriend, and. Um, enough to establish who that is. Yorick gets another call, and then we're going to jump again to uh, a new set of characters, a new location, another new location, uh, to meet his mom, who is a, uh, a representative uh, in Congress. And not your... I, I think she's a Democrat, but she's a, a right-leaning de- Democrat, I think. Because yeah. some of her stances on um, abortion, and she doesn't want to play ball with uh, the senators who have a bill that's gone through, and uh, that causes some uh, some tension. And uh, but it does set up who this person is, uh, who has uh, given birth to York, who we still don't know his name, so I don't know why I keep calling him York. Oh, I think. <laughs> I think it says it on the third page, actually. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I think his girlfriend says it. So, yeah, and I, I, I mean, again with the flow when it uh, when it skips to Washington D.C., it's it could be jarring. It, it could mm-hmm. be a, it could have been a jarring transition. Well, yeah, um, she, she's talking on the phone with him, and it it's it helps picks up on the conversation right where it left off on the last page, <laughs> even though it's a completely different scene. And yeah, so it's, it's a really Yeah, go ahead. I think it's kind of kind of hard to uh be able to write a story um while also keeping in mind like how much actual time this is taking up. I mean, I I don't know exactly how he does it. Maybe he just like talks out the dialogue <laughs> and yeah. times it himself. Well, it, yeah, yeah, it's 29 it's a 29 minute uh real-time comic that takes Thirty-one pages to get through, so you're not even doing a page a minute, and so that that is that's an, a unique storytelling device, I think. Mm-hmm. And it could be done wrong pretty easily too, I think. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. So we we go from uh, mom, the congressman, back to Yorick and the girlfriend, and then we meet. Uh, ampersand, who 
ampersand is the monkey. Uh, he has a pet monkey. Uh, a, a bit of absurdity that, in again, in the hands of a lesser writer, might not make sense. Not might not be able to. You might not be able to to fix that. But it's mm-hmm. it's quickly explained in such a way that you're like, okay, okay. Yeah. So he's got he's so he's got a, a monkey. Um, he's got a pet monkey. That's that fine. He applied for, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that he applied for. Um, it's absurd. And I guess a little bit of that might be lampshading and saying, we know it's crazy, but here we need we need this monkey for something. So you're going to have to follow along. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it works. And it, it also shows shows a lot about his character. And as you said, kind of kind of how he's he's a loser. And um, he ended up not getting this job that he applied for, too. And you're just kind of seeing he's going to he's trying to find meaning in a lot of things. Um, yeah, and you know the best way to find meaning in your life is magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So become a magician and escape, escape artist or whatever, whatever he's going for, and get a monkey. And he's, have, he's having a, a midlife crisis, even though he's probably in his mid twenties. Yes, uh, I think you might be right there. <laughs> and yeah. then we do another switch. Uh, we're now eighteen minutes ago, and we're meeting. Uh, kind of a, a a real type a, a strong female character who is um, is she Israeli Israeli army? Yeah, I don't know if it clearly says, but that would make sense. Just yeah, social context of everything. Yeah, that's kind of what that's kind of the sense I was I was getting. Um, and it's it's been so long since I finished this run, I can't remember specifically what her role is um in this um i remember vaguely but i don't want to um just guess because it's it's it's, uh, issues issues ahead um when she comes back back into play uh you may remember easier from your since you just read the first volume or you say the first two volumes you read oh well i read i read those years ago so i don't remember too well yeah yeah she's 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 a badass um Mm -hmm. uh and uh she's protecting some reporters and uh uh i'm sure uh, we'll we'll find out a little bit more about her later so uh should be good stuff yeah he he very casually brings up a lot of mystery i mean these two pages with uh with her on these you don't really know what her deal is when uh when york's mother is uh talking to the Talking to the senator, he mentions to somebody else um, three five five, and it's kind of a mystery to what that means. And we, we kind of figure it out later in this issue. Yeah, but um, there's a lot there's a lot that isn't explained, but I think it's done in a very a very smart way, where enough of it is explained that you're not completely lost. You just don't have all the details. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so we, then from from there we transition back again to the conversation um, between Yorick and girlfriend, and uh, they're continuing to banter back and forth. And she's she thinks something's up because she knows him well and is kind of pumping him for a little more information. But we don't spend a lot of time on that; just a page. And then we go to Jordan, 
Uh, we fly over to Al Jarak, Jordan, 13 minutes ago to meet Dr. Uh, was it Prozan Hamad? Um, yeah, and, uh, and this character, another, another character. So we've got quite a cast already. We can, we're, it, it's a very large cast, just, um, 15 pages in. We've, we've met quite a few different characters in quite a few locations. And, um, this could feel unwieldy, but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't feel unwieldy yet. Um, I, I feel like he's got a firm grasp of who everyone is and um, uh, not sure how they're all going to interact. But uh, this this technique of moving from one locale to the other, uh, it, it seems kind of smooth. It's kind of smooth how it transitions from one, one area to the other and back again. Very. And... Yeah, it skips around a lot, but I feel like um, York's conversation with his girlfriend is kind of kind of what connects it all together. I mean, at least it's it's the one scene that recurs between all the other scenes. Yeah, and makes it very clear that that's our main character too. Now is um. Uh, and then Doctor Frozon seems to be shot and killed, um, mm. and then the person who was protecting—is that a dude or a girl? No, no, it's a woman, and I guess her name is Agent Three Five Five. So that's what I was talking about with right the conversation yeah, yeah. earlier. There we go. Like, I guess we don't really know what the tie to um, to that senator is, or and why the president's talking about a, what this agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the president talked about, uh, three, five, five. And, um, so it's, it's a high level that, that, that agent, whatever that agent is doing is hot, is very high level. And that's why, um, this, the Senator that was pressing Yorick's mom, um, had to go so abruptly earlier in the book. And so it, it's a top level thing. Uh, from you know, in some kind of conspiracy, some kind of murky shadow government transaction happening. So um, we know that, um, but we don't know what it is. Um, again, we slide back from from this uh, person getting shot, this this ambulance, the agent three five five, back to the conversation. Um, and then uh, York's York's got a got to drop got to pop a question, and um, the girlfriend also has some news. So we leave it on that. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's kind of a cool way that they do it. She says, "I have something I have to tell you that I should tell you." And then we transition to a, a new character saying, "I'm having a baby." So it's kind of a cool connection. Like I wonder if that's what the the girlfriend was going to say. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling we don't meet. find out for <laughs> you know another like thirty maybe sixty issues. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Judging how this yeah. story how this issue ends, um, but yeah, and transitions are just great in this. Yeah, and then we meet yet another character um, who is a, a professor, a biotech professor who's also having a baby that happens to be her clone. So 
Um, we're we're doing Brian K. on crazy touches here, uh, um, and his you know so okay so we've got a person who is gen- genetically modifying her own clone and giving birth to herself, um, and that's just in here. That's just a new character that we meet uh-huh. uh, with a very u- a very unique um, plot point about her, and okay. That's that's odd. That's strange. I was wondering what what what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, and, and why is that important? And uh-huh. and could that not really take away from this story about this guy and his girlfriend? <laughs> you know, you're you're really going in a lot of different directions at this point, Brian. Mm-hmm. And um, we're we're but I think as the reader, we are all still on board a hundred percent and enjoying this ride. And then we we transition to yet another ride, <laughs> where Hero uh, Hero is Yorick's sister, and she's a bit of a whore. Uh, it seems she gets around. She drives an ambulance, um, and is banging uh, one of the fire department guys. Um, and according to one of the standbys, standby people that is that are talking and gossiping about her, she's worked her way through the fireman's calendar. And uh, but this one, this one might be the one. So, um, and uh, and she's she's getting a call from her mom about uh, her father's birthday, which is why she called Yorick in the first place. Uh, the mom called Yorick in the first place as well, as to remind her about her father's um, birthday. And I can't remember what does he do for a living. Oh, I, I uh, he's some sort of professor. Yeah. Yeah doesn't really specify what kind. It's got to be an, it's got to be an English professor, right? Or a literature professor because he, he names his kids Hero and Yorick. Yeah, and that would make sense why uh Yorick calls his uh monkey Ampersand. Yeah. So now now that I think we're done meeting new characters at this point. So 26 pages in, we've met a ton of characters, a ton of characters. So there we met the sister Back to the conversation, um, and he is trying to pop the question um, uh, and ask his girlfriend uh, half a world away to marry him. And we don't know what the answer is. We don't know what happens on that side. Um, And then we start flashing around to all the characters uh, that – are now caught up to current day, which is where we started uh, at the very beginning with the cop who was on the street um, trying to explain that um, everybody was dying, all all the men are dying, and now we're seeing it happen in real time with all our characters. Um, And it's a very effective... uh, juxtaposition because there's a ton of these that are happening um, just in rapid fire succession, panel after panel after panel. Um, And he threw a black panel in there. Uh, I'm not sure what that's supposed to signify, but he goes from the uh, biotech professor that inserts a, a black band in one of the panels and then continues with the remaining characters and, and having the men in those scenes die. Um, 
it's it, it is pretty pretty effective stuff, pretty um, bloody, mm-hmm. and shows the worldwide devastation of all the men dying simultaneously, and and how that happens. And then we're back to uh, uh, the the female cop who was in the first pages, and uh, we hear she finishes with the gun to her head. She finishes what she was started. Yeah, and well, we it's hear actually the ba- a repeat of the last panel from the first page, where she says all the men are dead. Yeah, which and is- and now she pulls the trigger, and um, Yorick hears it inside his house. Or he's been holed up for a while, so he's missed out on all this. And um, kind of everything, uh, that's where we end. Uh, it's you're hearing that, and we don't know what he discovers. Um, and why is he still alive? Uh, if, if all the men have died, um, why why is he around? And uh, we kind of know from the title uh, that he's the last man. Yeah, also but, I don't feel like main character in the first issue would die in a 60-issue <laughs> run. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I could be wrong. I haven't read all this, so... <laughs> Maybe he's dead the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is the sixth sense. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, you called it. Yeah. Spoiler. This last, this last splash page that... Well, again, tying things together, because um, he hears the bang outside of his window from yeah. that cop shooting herself in the head and at first you don't really know that that's even in the same city as he is but yeah that's kind of Brian K. Vaughn doesn't really need to tie it together that way but he does and it works and it seems very natural and yeah he's he's on the phone too and he says hello <laughs> which shows you that he doesn't know the answer and he's lost contact oh. with his girlfriend yeah yeah, he just asked her to marry him. Uh, it, the connection's gone. There's a gunshot. We know all the men are dead. He does not, so he'll be discovering that in the next issue, we assume. Um, mm-hmm. So I put this down when I first read it and uh, initially, and I said, oh, my God, give me the next issue. Thank God. I was reading it in trade, so I didn't have to wait very long. Um, mm-hmm. But... I can't imagine uh, get reading this in floppy single issue off the off the rack, and I mean I would just I would have been jazzed about this and uh, psyched for the next one, and uh, that's that's what a first issue should do. Um, a first issue should to in my in, this is my opinion, but I I think a first issue has to build the world, introduce the character, make us care about that character and make us want to read the next issue i mean if it does those four things i'm uh, it's successful in my mind and uh i I checks all those boxes for me uh i I like him uh i'm rooting for this guy and i have there's a lot of craziness going on and i want to know more about and it propels me into um issue two and beyond so this this is a comic that works for me yeah really it's throws a lot at you and it gives you well I was going to say a lot of a lot of his issues maybe even all of them end with a cliffhanger and I actually have a friend who read Saga and Trade and said that he 
probably couldn't even stand reading it monthly just because of how many cliffhangers there are. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I read it. I read it in single issues, and you get to the end and you're like, oh wow, what's going? What's next? Yeah. Give me. When you really look at the issue, though, like pretty much every scene ends in a cliffhanger. There's so much stuff going on and. Yeah, each character kind of has their own cliffhanger happening with them. You know, the the sister had the boyfriend she just slept with uh, had bleed in front of her, and he dropped to the floor. Um, so many of those characters just had their lives turned over, and and what could this mean uh, for the for the future? And you know, it was kind of cool as a. Um, as a dude, to, look, to be reading this, like, oh man, if I was if I was Yorick, I would be tearing it up with the ladies because <laughs> there's no competition, you know. <laughs> I, I am like going to be. That's definitely touched number on. one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's probably I would have not gone on any adventures. I would have not uh, uh, investigated any mysteries. I would have not gone to look for the girlfriend. That had just been hedonism, <laughs> Drew and hedonism. <laughs> oh, God. And if I'm not mistaken, um, his kind of motivation at the be- at the beginning of the story, at least, is uh, to find his girlfriend, right? Yes, okay. that's kind of driving the driving MacGuffin uh, to get him going is to find her, um, and it. It keeps him move, it keeps him moving forward mm-hmm. throughout the series, um, through some uh, crazy twists and turns, lots of adventures, um, and some are fun uh, explorations of what happens when all the men leave. Um, you know, some of the male some of the things that are explored are like the that there are male dominated occupations uh that so who does that work uh in those male dominated occupations now you know the women have to fill that void and there's some fun explorations there um there is you know the the idea of oh without without men um women have to turn to each other for you know uh sex and affection and things like that so mm-hmm. um that that's explored um and then the fact that they introduce a guy back into that um he's, he is sought after and uh in some of the in some of the issues in the in the future um and then there's these overarching mysteries that were and conspiracy theories and we have to find out the, these answers as as the series unwinds um and i i remember I don't know if I was. I thought it, I thought it ended well, but I don't know if I was a hundred percent satisfied that everything was in a nice bow at the end. And it doesn't have to be. Um, but I felt I'd put in sixty issues, and I don't remember if I was a hundred percent satisfied with the ending. So take that for a grain of salt with a grain of salt as well, mm-hmm. um, uh, because. Uh, but 60 issues is still applaudable, especially in today's comic market where nothing gets there. It's a heck of a run. Yeah, I was going to say that earlier when we were talking about how many issues there have been. Like, not, I mean, there, 
Well, I mean, not not even just talking about big two books, but there are very few independent series that ever make it this far. No, uh, you know, uh, Invincible's ending. Um, yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's an exception. I mean, and, it started a while ago. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wa- Walking Dead's going for a while. Uh-huh. Um, but you look at most you know, image series, like, most of them don't really get much further past 20, like, 30 tops. I don't really yeah. see many in their 40s at all. Yeah, I mean, I think over at Vertigo, you've got uh, Astro City hitting, getting close to 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's had multiple volumes, and Kerbusic's had illness problems and just put it down and picked it up. So it hasn't been consecutive all along, but I think this run's been close to consecutive. Um, but, yeah, there's not, there's not a ton of them. I mean, even – and you think about – I'm thinking about singular creative, creative visions, too. Like mm-hmm. Dan Slott's been on Spider-Man for for a long time, so uh, he he would probably be close to a or over a hundred at this point because uh, he's been on Spider-Man for years and years and yeah. years. So and it, even though it's changed title and renumbered, it's it's kind of had his creative vision attached to it. So so there are some, um, but it's it's more the exception than the rule for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that page where it uh, page near the end where it starts uh, starts showing all the men die. I mean, there's this. Well, at least yeah, in the trade that I have, great. the trade I have right now has these two pages side by side. The first one, well, it has that black panel that says "now," and it shows the men dying um, in the context. Your of, black panel says "now" in the top of it. Yeah, it does. The one right above. Uh, so- Right above his mother. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I'm reading a, I'm reading a reprint, Vertigo Essentials number one. Okay, I think the and, volume uh, I have is the newest. I think it's the newest uh, trade. That's interesting. That so I'd have to get know. my. I, I have a, I have a few. Why the Last Man number one? So I'd have to crack up with another one to see if it has it in there, or yeah, if it's, curious. or if maybe it was. Printed poorly. Let me let me grab my box. Right. So I'm gonna just flip through the other version that I have. Let's see what this. I don't have the trade here. This you don't have the first back. print of it, do you? Of the issue? I have I have the Vertigo Essentials version, and I have uh, number one. Um, yes, and it has it has now in it. Okay, so that's that's weird. So yeah, that's the initial print. Yeah. Huh. So yeah. So this Vertigo Essentials didn't print the now on there. Which now, now I know what what white black band is in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you said that, I was kind of I was kind of flipping around looking for it. And... Yeah. Yeah. What are you What are you missing there, Drew? <laughs> dumb dumb. Yeah. So this page, it this one page shows the characters from all the scenes we've seen before. You know, we see York's mother. We see the soldier. We see Agent. 355, I think it was. And then we see Hero, and the men are dying all in those scenes. And then I really like how that zooms out and shows us that this is happening all over the world. And I think it's really smart. He only has, like, these four panels that he... Well, he starts with four panels, but it actually continues on to the next page. But it shows Tokyo Stock Exchange just 
I think everybody in there is male, so they're all dead. <laughs> and then there's uh, Vatican City, and it just shows a nun um, with a priest in her arms who's dying. That's Tokyo Stock Exchange? Yeah, the, the first panel is, yeah. Oh, I the, thought that was... Um... Congress, or, or yeah, I thought that was like the the senators. No. Nope. Oh, okay, I missed that. Yeah, and then uh, the third third panel like made me tear up a little bit because <laughs> it's it, that's kind of what reveals to you that it's not just humans; it's like all males of all species, uh, and it has this little girl on a farm, and there are, um, some dead cows around yeah. her, and. She has a dead puppy in her arms too, and says, "Daddy, I think Buck is sick." And so, so you're oh. okay with four billion males dying, men dying, yeah. but you, you, know, you get upset if if the puppy dies. I I think, I think what got me upset was the uh, <laughs> the reaction that that the girl had. Oh, yeah. Where you know, meanwhile, you know, people are. People are getting scared and stuff and sad, but, you know, this is a little girl and her puppy just died. And she doesn't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that's true. Just that true. helplessness. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, yeah, and the fact that – and we are we are jumping everywhere, so we're all over the world, and it's happening everywhere. So nobody is safe, at least uh, it looks like no one is safe. So that's um, a devastating uh, virus or whatever it is. Um, that that's caused all this to happen, and mm-hmm. it, it's crazy. It so it this is the sort of I don't know. Would you call you call this sci-fi, right? Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know if it really. A little bit of mystery, a little bit of sci-fi. Um, it, adventure. Not hard sci-fi, but. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably say it's an adventure comic in its core, but definitely has elements from, I mean, pretty much everything. There's horror in here, too. True. True. Um, then again, I haven't yeah. read most of the series, so what do um, I does this does, does rereading this first issue um, get you any more excited to um, want to finish it? Or yeah, it really good. Is it still I've, the same same stack uh, that you were you had it in before? I've been meaning to reread it for a while, so I'm really glad we're getting into this. And I actually just picked up the first volume today, so I could reread it. But yeah, I'm. I mean, I read this back when. Oh gosh, I think I was back in high school when I read the first volume. Um, so it's it's been a while, and I'm really excited to get into the rest of this. Well, this has been collected and recollected and repackaged in absolute editions, and um, I don't know if you have a good. Uh, there's a good Economawaka library system up there, but yeah, there actually you know, is. Yeah, I, I I would go and check. I would bet that there's some really cool hardcover versions, oversized hardcover versions of this um, that I, I haven't pulled the trigger on myself to buy, but um, I've flipped through them and they're they're beautiful. I, I was tempted to get one of the big hardcovers, but. Yeah, yeah, they're expensive. Money, yeah. Money, extra ten bucks, and nah, I don't need it. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I will, I will own deluxe editions of everything Brian Kavon did. I think one of these days, that's going that that, that the bookshelf will, alongside, you know, I'll have Watchmen 
Watchmen, the Absolute Edition of Watchmen, the Absolute Sandman, um, you know, the, the Deluxe Dark Knight Returns. There's some of these amazing things. And then I'm going to have, have my compendium, my Walking Dead compendiums and um, like the full the full bibliography of Frank A. Vaughn is going to be up there because I, I just uh, I think he's a master and uh, I, I love his sensibility. I love the way he I love his craft. And uh, he and I, uh, he and I, gel as far as uh, the stuff he writes speaks to me, and it works mm-hmm. for me. Um, so yeah, this good stuff, and I mean, it's a great first issue, and it really, it really does a great job of of building that world and saying, uh, um, are you on board or not? And uh, what more can you ask for? Yeah, and just flipping through this, um, I just noticed something. It may have significance, it may not, but the first panel where it shows his girlfriend in Australia seems like she's kind of out in the middle of nowhere in nature, but um, there are these interesting um, carvings on... They look like ancient ancient paintings or carvings on these rocks. Um, yeah. And they, they, kind of, they kind of draw attention to it in one of the panels and feel like that might have some sort of significance. I don't know. Uh, maybe. I can't remember. I can't remember that. Um, this this thing meanders, as you can imagine, over sixty issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some side quests and things that that occur, so uh, it might have been addressed. Yeah, I, I can't I can't remember. It's been a while. Um, I probably read this in 2012, 20, 2013, something like that. So I've kind of forgotten. Um, I, I like the art. I like Piaguer's art. He's he's done. Um, I think He's with Jason Aaron on The Goddamned right now, uh, and I think they worked together on um, Scalp, didn't they? Um, is that is that the same artist? I'm not sure. Um, I was thinking it was. I'm looking it up right now, actually. Piagera. Oh, it's actually a woman. Um, yes, yeah, this book. <laughs> uh, and big bibliography. Oh, it only looks like she does. She's done two things. Uh, Why the Last Man and some Doctor Who book. I think uh, R.M. Guerra, is that? R.M. Guerra, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. They did scalp together. I mean, easy to get the two mixed up. But yeah, art art is very good, very clear storytelling. And also, who who colors this too, because... Oh, Pia Guerra's done more penciling than that. She did um... Why... I was just Section looking on... Okay. Are you, are you on ComicDB? No, I was just looking on Wikipedia, so... Okay. Maybe I'm just... Uh, Adventures of Superman. Okay. Um, Black Canary, Bruiser, Dark Horse Presents, uh, Elephant Men. Yeah, she's done a, she's done some stuff. Okay. Uh, but why is her best no, well-known work? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty well-known work, so it'd be hard to yeah. top that. Man, can we can we edit out where I where I got Pia Guerra and RM Guerra confused? If you want, I can do that for you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You can leave it in. <laughs> I'll leave that in though. You ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all, all in all, I think it's uh, I think it's a great read. I think it's a great read, and um, yeah, again, I I I, I like when it works when they check all the boxes. Uh, creators, you know, give you something that 
is not only awesome to read and, and makes you want to read more, but also kind of like gets you inspired to raise your game a little bit. And, uh, you know, as, as, as a writer myself, I, uh, I don't write creative stuff, uh, like fiction. I, I, I kind of work in, in writing. That's my job. So it's not, okay. it's not the same, but it does kind of make me, it still inspires me to want to uh, raise my game. And of course, um, I, I've got these, uh, these ideas kicking around in my head that I, if, if I could find the right artist and they would love to, t- to try to get them on the page someday. And, and when you see stuff like this, that's so great. You're like, Oh, this is, yes, I want to do this. I want to do something this good. And uh, uh, it, I find it inspiring. So uh, it's great stuff. Yeah, definitely. There's it's a really really dense issue, but it doesn't. Drain yeah, there's a lot all. going on. And it, yeah, it, it's, it's not works, overwhelming but... either. I mean, surprisingly enough. Would you would you introduce as many characters in a in twenty twenty some pages thirty pages? Um, I don't think I would. I don't think I would even try. I think I would drive them and drive them out as, and, and meet them in later issues. Yeah, I don't think I, I would mean, try to pull this off. If I it's did, too complex. I would probably give most of them like one line or just have them show up in the background, not have each of them have their own scene because they're, geez, how many scenes in this one? Yeah. Um, I could count, but you know, maybe like. But they're all established. Yeah, there, there's. There's nearly ten characters that that are kind of fleshed out here, mm-hmm. and I don't know that I I don't know that I would even attempt to pull that off. Were I to try to write a story, I don't think I would do that in thirty pages. Well, BKV is a master. Yeah, <laughs> he's not scared. No. All right. Do you have any closing thoughts? No, not really. I mean, I, I think I think we hit all the high notes, and uh, I recommend this book to anyone. Um, you can get you can get this Vertigo Essentials. You can get uh, um, like a dollar versions of this first issue if you want to sample it yourself. You, know, you the intro trade is probably around fourteen bucks uh, if you want to get the first six. Yeah. Um, and uh, Oh, check your library, and you can read the whole thing there if you want to, um, because it's great. But I, I, I think you, I think you'll you'll love it, um, and I think uh, more people should read it because it's it's great stuff, and it's a um, it's a tamed version of Saga, so it's not quite as not quite as out there as Saga, but mm-hmm. it has its moments. It has its moments. Yeah, and uh, I I would probably second it, even though I haven't read much. I would really recommend it. Uh, just cause, I mean it's 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 written really well and it's as I said it has this cinematic feel and it's just it's a good book and if you don't it's a good book if you don't trust us look at pretty much any like top twenty five top ten uh, list of comics that you should read and it'll probably be on there. That's true. That's true. It is on there, and this thing's been optioned a couple of times. Uh, a couple. It's been optioned for the for as a movie, and it's been optioned as a, a television television series. Um, 
I think it reverted back to BKV because they couldn't pull it off from one of the option periods. Um, part of me really wants to see it, uh, a lot like preacher on AMC. I think that, I think it would work great. Um, and then part of me is like, maybe it should just stay where it is. Uh, but I, I like it so much that I want, um, I, I think I would enjoy whatever, um, as long as it's not, I don't know. It, it'd have to be done. I, I think preachers being done well on AMC. Some folks disagree, but but this is the type of book that would need to have that kind of treatment where um, they can get away with some stuff and get some of that on the on the screen that's on the book, but yet uh, break it up into manageable chunks um, over seasons and and not try to cram things into a movie. Which I, you know was a fool's errand. There was no way they were going to be able to fit sixty issues into a two and a half hour movie. Yeah, no, no way. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I feel like uh, most of the time I feel like I'm okay things just being a book because I don't know. I feel if people are like, "Oh, there should be a movie about this," I think it kind of undermines the the medium that it was originally on. But um, yeah, I can see that. I think if a if a movie or some other other adaptation does something different with it or uh, presents it in a certain way, um, definitely enjoy that. I mean, if they can bring the characters to life, I think mm-hmm. that's what matters the most. Yeah, I guess uh, for me, I, I think it's it's a kind of like a, that puts a celebration of that story and those characters because I mean. I, I don't know how many times I'll read Why the Last Man over and over again. Do you do you find yourself reading a lot of things over and over that are your favorites, or do you just keep re- reading new stuff? Um, honestly, I don't find myself rereading that much just because there's so much to, re- to read out there. Yeah. But um, a, few, a few things I've uh, read quite a bit. Um, Punk Rock Jesus by Sean Murphy I've read a few times. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Morrison's Animal Man. No, I've never, ones. I've never finished that. Yeah, I strongly recommend that one. Um, that might be fun. Yeah, that's a good one. Issue. Oh gosh, is it issue five or seven or? I don't know, but there's, uh, there's one with this uh, coyote that keeps dying and coming back to life. Yeah, yeah. Well, Grant Morrison's one of those guys that uh, he's also really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. he's he's very much in his own world. So I feel like some sometimes he's a hit or miss. He used to be my favorite writer. I mean, he still is one of my favorites. Um, but I I definitely prefer his uh, his older DC work. I mean, Animal Man and Doom Patrol are my two favorites of his. So yeah, like uh, there there was something he did for Image called Nameless, I think, and I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't get into that one. It was yeah. weird. Yeah, and I, I like Chris Burnham, who does the art for that, too. But I was, yeah, I like him, yeah. And I, I mean, I I love weird, ominous, just obscure stuff, but that was kind of like, okay, this, this, isn't, <laughs> okay. this isn't bad, but uh, yeah, it's... I mean, but then there's claws that you guys um, reviewed... Or, yeah, that's or discussed in depth in, in like seven hour a seven hour episode that you broke into two pieces or <laughs> yeah. something. Uh, um, that 
yeah, that that's a masterwork in my mm-hmm. mind. That, that thing was wonderful too. So, yeah, uh, I, I hate to, I hate to say there's good Grant Morrison and bad Grant Morrison because I think none of it's bad, but there's some that's more my speed. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely one I of them. See what you mean there, definitely. Right. And yeah, and, and and even though I love Brian K. Vaughn, um, there he has misfired a couple for me, um, and uh, and I haven't actually finished his entire. Um, works uh, everything that he's done from Marvel and DC. I didn't go back and re- I haven't read all that Swamp Thing run that he was on, and uh, there's some other things that I haven't finished. So, um, I think uh, it's, they're not all home runs, but man, he has a heck of a batting average with me. It's it's Hall of Fame status. He is great. All right, you got any last last thoughts on the book or anything else? No, man. I appreciate uh, the invite and uh, thanks for letting me talk about this comic for an hour and a half i appreciate having you on where can people find you and uh your show online oh we're on com- we're at comicsfunprofit.com and you can find all our links to our different social media and emails ways to get a hold of us that way um so yeah comicsfunprofit.com thanks you can follow me on twitter at at clint stout uh it's Clint, S-T-A-U-T. Follow the show at Comics That Work. Uh, just keep up on uh, updates on the show, when episodes come out, what books we'll be talking about next. If you have any questions, uh, you can email at uh, comicsthatwork at gmail.com. And uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a review. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, next episode... I'm going to have uh, James on again from Cowcast. He was on the first episode. And we're going to be talking about Hitman number 34 by uh, Garth Ennis and John McRae. Interesting choice. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's the issue where uh, Superman shows up. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Oh, we should do a crossed. <laughs> we should do a crossed uh, version of this before... Uh... Before the uh, mini con that they're having in October. Yeah, yeah. For uh, I, I haven't announced this on there, but uh, Cowbunga Comics, Cowbunga spelled with a K, in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, uh, on uh, October twenty seventh. Uh, Garth 28th. is doing a twenty eighth. Okay, woo, twenty eighth. Pretty sure. Let me double check. I'm pretty sure it's twenty eighth. Uh, it's a Saturday, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Saturday, twenty eighth. It's going to be a little crazy with parking and everything, but. Uh, Garth Ennis is going to be there. He doesn't do many signings in the U.S., so that'll be pretty crazy. That'll be pretty awesome, yeah. Yeah, and you're coming to visit, actually, right? Yeah, I uh, I, I tricked my wife into thinking it's about it's her birthday weekend getaway. <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming up, getting we got a B and B up there, and uh, then I'm just gonna like. Go out for bread or something on Saturday morning, and then not come back for like ten hours. <laughs> nice. I'll be at I'll be at the comic shop. So uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Well, yeah, I mean you're you're coming all the way from uh, Ohio, right? Yeah, Southeast Ohio. So, yeah, so um, that's, that's a far away. It, it's like eight eight to ten hour drive. It's worth it though. So if anybody's doing this so. and is a little bit further away, you know, make the commute. Other yeah, people are I'll doing pick, it. I can if you're if you're somewhere in nor- northern Ohio, I pick you up on the way. Be careful. <laughs> Drop I, you off. I don't know if any uh, any werewolves or 
scary people listen to this. That's um, true. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> All right, so I think that wraps it up. Thanks for uh, being on the show, Drew. All right, man. Take care. <laughs>